Chapter five, conversation with Christ. So now we're moving into the actual method itself, right? The explanation of the method. And so the chapters five and chapter six are gonna look at the general preparation for meditation and then the immediate preparation for meditation. And again, some of this may seem very basic, but just to say something about the general preparation for meditation now in chapter five. There's something extremely Christian about this chapter, about this idea that, that I want to just sort of talk about in a broader context and then we'll look at certain parts of the chapter itself. Certain kinds of religions or certain sort of spiritual practices can focus very much on methods, right? Like you just hold your body in a certain way, you breathe in a certain way, you think about this certain thing, you do, you know, whatever these sorts of methods are. And these methods can bring us to certain experiences or states or what have you, and that's sufficient, right? <laughs> but however important a method may be for Christian prayer, it's never, ever sufficient, right? There are abuelitas living in, right, grand, old grandmothers living in the mountains of Honduras that are probably in the unitive way that have never even had any idea about a method of prayer in their lives. Why? Because they've just, they've heard about Jesucristo, right? They go to church whenever they can. So, you know, so they, they've heard a few things from the scriptures and they live it and they've loved their kids and they suffer a lot and they die and they go straight to heaven, right? And they are doing a lot better than some people who read all the books on prayer that they could have possibly find. Why? Because prayer for a Christian is all about a relationship. Relationships are never in isolation to an individual. I bring myself into a relationship. Or there's no relationship, right? And so everything about my life matters to prayer, right? My moral life matters to prayer, right? My personal beliefs matters to prayer because prayer is a relationship with the other, with God. He brings himself to prayer and I bring myself to prayer. And because that's our view of prayer, what this book refers to as general preparation, which means what? Like all of your life makes a difference to your life of prayer, right? So you could have somebody who's able to go into some sort of, you know, Eastern meditation and empty their minds and come to this peaceful place much better than you. But it doesn't mean that they're coming to closer to God better than you. No, they may be coming closer to God. But that capacity to simply enter into a peaceful state is not necessarily prayer. There can be things that are helpful right? If our minds just are, are just running, you know, racing, again, this is a part of our life in general, that can be hard to go into prayer. But we need to recognize just the vital importance. When we talk of Christian prayer, it's all about the entirety of our life really encountering, encountering the entirety of the person of Christ and of the Trinity, right? So it's kind of a big thought, but it's an important one because um, it's our whole life that's going to make the ultimate difference insofar as the fruitfulness right, of our prayer. 
again, I don't like that with the word success necessarily, but fruitfulness, I think, is an excellent word and very biblical, right? You will know a tree by its fruit. There you go. You want to know how you're praying? Look at the fruit, right? And so, um, I'll tell you this little quick thing. We used to have a translation of the, the, uh, the uh, what is it, of St. Francis that we do every night at night prayer, the um, admonitions of St. Francis. And there's the one where Saint, it says that, you know, St. Francis is saying, you know, and this happens, and the, the heroes will carry away little fruit. But the translation said, the, and the heroes will carry away little fruits. And so I just always had in my imagination, like people walking away from church with like a basket of oranges or something. I'm like, yeah, we need to change that. So thankfully, it's now the singular, which is the correct way to translate it. And so. But so when we're talking about general preparation, the first thing um, that's talked about here is a determination to persevere in its practice. So this is vital. Now again, you guys, we have the huge blessing, huge, right? And just a little while ago, I was talking to somebody who lived as a religious for a while and now no longer is. And the person just said to me, Father, I have to make a choice to pray every day. And when things are really busy in my morning, it's hard. We have this huge privilege of like, being, you know, like, you may not want to get out of bed in the morning, but you know that, you know, the guy, you know, the novice director is going to be looking for you if you don't show up at least at six, right? And so there's this positive peer pressure into prayer. But nevertheless, as I've said to you guys before, you too, and so can I, we can make our lives busy with lots of holy things and we can let go of prayer. A firm determination to pray is still absolutely necessary for you. It's still absolutely necessary for you. And you will hear me say this again, but Father Benedict said it, Fulton Sheen said it, every person that they knew that left the priesthood had stopped praying at some point. Every person. If you want to lose your vocation, stop praying. Shortcuts on the meditation time. Show up for holy hour, it's fine. You can sit there and do something completely different than pray during holy hour. You can do that. You can read a book all the way through holy hour, all the way through your meditation time, and not pray. You need to be determined to pray because there's going to be some days you're not going to want to pray, right? And so, and this is part of it. This is part of the, this is part of the battle. And the Lord allows this. This is part of the Father's will for you is that you are going to struggle in prayer. So don't be surprised. The firm determination to pray is absolutely necessary um, to do this. And actually, St. Ignatius of Loyola, this is a slightly different point, but one of his big things. So like Ignatius is actually, even though he, this is the spiritual exercises, is, I, I bring things like this out just to make you guys think that I know stuff and I, <laughs> I, I'm smart. So, so, he has, it seems like he has a ton of rules, but Ignatius in a lot of ways is very kind of flexible, even though he does have a lot of sort of, but one of the things he's not flexible on is that you got to pray for a whole hour. When you go to pray, so like he gives four to five meditations for every day, for 30 days straight during the spiritual exercises, right? That's the way you roll. 
It's intense. And so this is note 13. We must remember that during the time of consolation, it is easy and requires only a slight effort to continue a whole hour in contemplation. But in time of desolation, it is very difficult to do so. Hence, in order to fight against the desolation and conquer the temptation, the exertant, the person on retreat, must always remain in the exercise a little more than the full hour. Thus, he will accustom himself not only to resist the enemy, but even to overthrow him. And so Ignatius is going to say, yeah, when you're, when you're feeling it, you're like, oh, Jesus, just me and you. I love you. I want to give you my whole life. I want to be a martyr for you. I want to eat everything. He's like, easy to pray for an hour. When you're in prayer and it's dry as dust, you'd rather be any place than in the chapel, and you're dreaming about lunch or whatever, right? He says, when you're there, stay a little over the hour, but never go shorter. Because what the enemy always wants to do is not, you'll never be tempted to ditch prayer completely, but you'll be tempted to cut corners. So you got to, when you, now, oftentimes, you know, we're going into prayer, holy hour, you're only going to have 45 minutes in the morning, we, we, we can get an hour. But there has to be this really firm determination. No, I am going to pray for the whole time that I can, right? And Ignatius is going to say, because that's where you're, he's going to hit you. He's going to hit you right there. Just cut it a bit short. Just do something else. Now, of course, everybody's going to go off into la-la land sometimes. That happens, right? We're not talking about that. We're talking about a willed choice to walk out of prayer, either mentally walk out or physically walk out. I'll just tell you this quick little thing. So, uh, you know, I was on my 30-day retreat, South Dakota, I remember very clearly, I was sitting in the white chapel on top of the hill, beautiful. I loved it there, especially because I could usually be by myself. And so there I was, and I was in my hour of prayer. I have no recollection of what I was meditating on at all. And it was dry as dust. It was awful. So I was there, and I was just there. And I was just, I was just, just staying in there. I was just in it. I wasn't winning it, but I was in it, you know? And then all of a sudden, just at some point, like this, this like consolation came over me, just like the Lord's presence, and I just felt really close and beautiful. And I looked at my watch, 59 minutes. He had waited 59 minutes to show up. Not that he wasn't there, right? But it just showed me so clearly, like, you have to stay. You have to stay. Be faithful. And you know what, brothers? Even if he, if that, if he hadn't, quote-unquote, shown up, right? It's okay, right? It's okay. And sometimes he doesn't show up. It's all right. And we can talk about why Ignatius says that desolation and dryness and these things can occur in our lives. We'll look at it along with this book, uh, chapter whatever it is, 12, 13, something like that. But with this firm resolution... Both in general, I'm going to pray, but also within particular hours of prayer, right? Um, and then, this is important enough that, again, the author says, okay, so a little bit later, in some later chapters, I'm going to review some of this stuff. So he'll go over these things that we're supposed to practice throughout our day. Recollection, spiritual reading, mortification, and the cultivation of a humble heart. And so we'll look at all of those in, the, in some later chapters. But so just this general idea... The entirety of life 
very important, practicing the presence of God in some way. Because again, if this is a relationship, then the more that we relate to the person throughout the day, the more we'll be ready for a more intimate listening to him at particular moments, right? And so that's just the basic idea. Above all, one's attitude to the practice is of primary importance. This is page 26. If a proper attitude be lacking, then one hope of success is almost nil. And so one thing is to determine a precise time at which one will meditate each day. This is really important for some people. Again, you guys got it easy, so do I, right? We have our precise times marked out. That you be faithful to those, that's up to you. But that you got the time, it's there, right? And we have a lot of time. When you look at our horarium, I mean, the amount of time that we're in the chapel, at least theoretically, isn't that different from a Carmelite nun. Now, what she does all the rest of her day is very different than what we do, <laughs> right? And, you know, so a table's going to be silent. You know, like there's a lot more silence in their day. But two hours of meditation, praying the office, rosary, that's, you know, that's what religious do. That's what cloister religious do. We, get, we have a lot of prayer given to us, right? Lots of opportunity. And, and I think the last thing that I just want to mention in this so far as the attitude thing is just this really important point that you should have a great certainty of that your prayer will be fruitful if you are faithful to it. If you're determined to pray, um, then it will be fruitful at some point, right? If you want to pray better, pray more. That may, that may sound ridiculous in some ways, but in some ways it's true, right? If you want to pray better, you pray more. And you can only pray the way that you can pray, right? But you will be successful if you protect your prayer and you have a firm resolution of doing it, and why are you guaranteed to be successful? Right? Because, now, in very little in life are you guaranteed to be successful. Right? Why? Because you could blow a lot of stuff. But in prayer, you are guaranteed to be successful. And the reason is something that we, we talked about a few classes ago. Who is more important in prayer, you or God? So there you go. God is the initiator. God is the more important one. He is not going to fail you. And so if you show up with a good will, and if you show up and not somebody else and looking like you, right? not your fake self that you bring and want to talk to God about, but your real self, if your real self shows up in prayer and you persevere, your, you, your prayer will be fruitful, you will be changed, and you will begin to pray better. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Of course, spiritual direction helps. Different things help. But at the end of the day, that's the case because of the reality of prayer. So that's pretty much what I wanted to mention from, from this chapter. Um, any quick questions, clarifications, other things that you found important or vital that you'd want to mention? Uh, just a question. Um, you brought up, like, the focus of function, codependent, 
I mean, I think with, so it's a good question, like, so with lay people, like, if they don't pray, is it, is it going to be the same kind of danger to their vocation as a religious or a priest? So you, you said, I presume you direct lay people to, I actually don't. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I have contact with laity, but I, that's not what God's, op- that's not a door that I felt like God wants me to open. Um, because... It's a big door, and there's a lot of people on the other side of it. <laughs> and I can't do that. So, so I would say a couple of things. You know, like I've talked to, to, to some, especially Catholic mothers who homeschool. I, I, I'm sort of speechless with like the, how little time they have, right? And so I think I would be very hesitant to put any sort of a similar kind of, that they need, that there needs to be some sort of prayer and personal contact with the Lord in their life is absolutely true. I don't know that I'm the best person because I, I don't accompany a lot of laity um, very closely in direction and stuff like that. I don't know that I'm the best person to say something about that. I also think one of the things with priests and religious is like, in a sense, even though the, 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 this, the, the image of it limps quite a lot for us as men, like the idea that Jesus is our spouse is true in some way. So if we don't pray, we're basically blowing off our significant other, right? In a marriage, I think there's a lot more possibility of ways that God is going to feed them through their children, through their spouse, through, through things in the world because they have a, they have a vocation to the world, not, not the world in the, in the pejorative sense that Jesus uses it like, you know, the world of flesh and the devil, but in the sense that creation really is sort of where God has called them to sort of make their, make their home and to really serve him. So I think there's probably a lot more... Um, this is my sense. There's a lot more wiggle room for them and probably creative ways to be receiving from God in a less strict way. Um, so I would be much less strict insofar as rules that I would lay down for them. Nevertheless, Francis de Sales, writing for laity, exactly. I mean, he's going to say, I forget what he says in Introduction to the Devout Life, it may be a half hour of mental prayer a day. Is that right? Does anybody, any, no, no, no Francis de Sales friends here. Oh, well, Francis de Sales, we're sorry. So, um, so that there should be some effort to it. A book that I like in this regard is uh, Father Timothy Gallagher's book, Contemplation and Meditation, or Meditation and Contemplation, I can't remember the title exactly. But he gives a lot of examples from real life lay people about their prayer. And I just remember thinking, wow, these, some of these are great examples of just creative ways 
to sort of include meditation and sort of personal prayer in one's day. So that would be the direction I would point somebody if they came to me like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. Anything else? Mm -hmm. um, just on the one of the last points you talked about about um, just income into prayer, making making sure that we're determined to, to come to prayer and bring the real us to prayer. Do you have any tips besides like hey, our our practicing that um, just like to foster honesty? Yeah. Yeah, fostering honesty, so making, doing the best we can to bring our real selves to prayer. So I think there's a few things that pop to mind. One is, most of us are incapable of bringing our full selves to prayer. Most of us don't own ourselves or know ourselves well enough to bring our full selves into prayer yet. It's the saints who have received the grace of profound self-knowledge that really are able to fully show up in prayer. We can only do the best that we can, right? So Father Bennett, our lousy best, right? Schlepping along. That is like my life, guys. <laughs> it's my life, right? And it's okay, right? It's all right. And so, so in part, I would, the reason I start off saying that is don't expect perfection, right? Don't, so like, it's okay if you're just like, Lord, I think this is where I'm at today, right? So just bring what you can. And so when we go to prayer, I would say an awareness, and this actually is probably the next chapter, but in any case, since you asked, I'll, I'll, I'll mention some things now. Maybe some more will come up in chapter six. Um, an awareness of what's going on on an emotional level is important. Now, people will say different things about the emotions, right? Young people today are too caught up in their emotions. Or da, 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 da. That may be true, but nevertheless, one of the things that I think is a pitfall in our life of prayer is that we, we, we allow our, effects, our emotions to affect us a lot, but we may not have a great awareness of them, and we may not bring that awareness to God in prayer. Now, you guys have had better formation than a lot of folks, so maybe you're doing that already, but that would be one thing. Like, we're often, we're often willing to put on the table with God, like, okay, like the Lord's sitting right there, Lord, here are all of my ideas, here's all of my nice thoughts about you, and this is what I would like to do for you. But often we're not willing to put on the table, here's how I feel about you and about me and about that dude over there that just ticked me off today, right? And here's how I feel about where you have me and here's how I feel. And we'll look at this when we look at the human person and our emotions class, but our feelings tell us more about the reality of ourselves than our thoughts. The intellect is more important than the emotions. But the emotions, like, so let's say you hear that we're going to do a parish mission. And you think and you say, I think that's a great idea. But you feel depressed. The fact that you feel depressed about it says more about what you really believe about the parish mission than what you think. Right? And so, so the reality is, is if we don't, if we aren't aware of our emotions and we don't allow that to come into prayer, that is a huge way that the real self does not show up in prayer. Many days we'll come to prayer and we may feel pretty peaceful. So you may not, not, not need to talk to God a lot about stuff. You may come to prayer, you may be able to settle down, 
you, you recognize that you're in God's presence. This is what we'll look at this in the next chapter. You recognize you're in God's presence. That happens with a certain amount of ease. And now, yeah, you can read. You can sort of you enter in. There may be other days you come to prayer and you do a quick gut, ch- gut check and you realize, like, I am all over the place. And so sometimes it actually is important to journal before you pray. Like, Jesus, this is how I feel right now. Because often, writing allows us to say things and make it more real than if we're just thinking it. So I'm surprised sometimes. I have to do this sometimes, guys. Right? Not usually, but sometimes. I'll come to prayer and I'll be like, what is going on? (laughs) What's going on inside of me? I have no idea. And so I'll sit down and I'll be like, all right. And I'll pull out my pen and I'll just write, Lord, I'm frustrated and I feel like a total failure right now. And I'm pretty upset that you let this happen. (sighs) Okay. And often that's enough. But writing it out, even just those three points, boom, 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 writing it out often brings something down and allows a certain peace to come in, and then I'm able to sort of move into a place of prayer a bit more. So, I think that's what I would say now, and probably the next, after we finish this book, probably the next thing I'll do with you will be the class, whatever I call it, like the fundamentals of the spiritual life, and so that will also address different things that kind of keep the real me from coming to prayer or the full me from sort of entering into relationship with the Lord. But I think that's what I would say for now. Is that cool? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. It's a good question. Um, anything else? Okay. I think that's good for today then.